Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is embedding security in technology capabilities. What do I mean here? So you see, uh, when we are trying to go the digital route, we are building custom software applications. We are using third-party software packages and tools. We are moving uh, workloads to the cloud. We have infrastructure is being recreated in the cloud. And there are also some things that we are trying to do to standardize our overall management of how things will work in the cloud or even a multi-cloud environment. So all of that being done, where is security in all of this? While we have security being invited to the table, but with so much action going on, is security being able to holistically and consistently embedded in all of these activities and finally whatever we end up creating artifacts or, or workloads, etc. And when you try to do as security leaders, what has been the journey? What's the pushback? What's the support? What are creativity, what creativity have you tried to show to make sure at the end of it, the security is embedded in all of this by design upfront versus an afterthought? So what challenges are CISOs facing in doing so? And what are they using as strategies and techniques to address those challenges so that we get the best outcome? To discuss this, I have with me John McClure, who's the Chief Information Security Officer with Sinclair Broadcast Group. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, I'm well this morning. Thank you. Great to have you. And we have Rob Hornbuckle, who's the Chief Information Security Officer with Allegiant Airlines. Hey, Rob, how's life? Fast and hopefully survivable. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so let's start with you, John, first. Catch me if you can. I'm sure you and I and many of us have watched that movie. Is that what's happening with security, trying to chase the IT and the business leaders who want to go 1,000 miles an hour on the digital to keep security at par or at the, embedded in the, the, the changes that they're bringing about? What do you think is happening today? Yeah, I, I think you're right. We are playing a bit of catch up. I also think that you and I both know, knowing that movie might date us a little bit to some of our listeners here. But uh, the, the catch me if you can, I think is going to remain consistent in that way, unfortunately. You know, I think, uh, I, I think it's just a natural way of doing business. So I don't mean that it's unfortunate that that's the way the business operates. I just mean that I think in many cases, we will remain reactive. I think that we spend a lot of time working with the business, trying to be well integrated, well embedded, you know, but normally, you know, the, the company or business lines will be coming out with technologies, offerings, integrations, ideas on how to grow the business in different ways. And then we, we need to be a bit adaptive to that. And that's not, that's not just security, right? That's the whole organization normally. I think that especially innovative companies that are going to push that boundary, um, whether it's on the business side, the technology side, operations side, um, we will need to remain reactive. I think there's a lot of things we can do to help alleviate some of that pain that comes with that. You know, I think being well integrated in the right parts of the business, creating the right relationships definitely across sales, you know, business operations and some of the other organizations within the organization help minimize how much of that gap you're dealing with, how quickly they're pulling you into um, things early on. I think, you, you know, you, you can shorten that gap, but I think we're always going to be playing a little bit of reactiveness um, just because the, the speed of business um, fre frequently can move significantly quicker, perhaps, than the speed of uh, re-architecting or redesigning. And realizing that the cloud and other technologies have really made us much more nimble and agile in terms of being able to move quickly, I still think there will be a bit of that cash me if you can. So, uh, Rob, John did say it accurately on where we stand today, but this digital fever is not new. So, would you say any difference, any positive news for the people who may have 
had the same question asked, say, four or five years ago when the digital started, that fever started, and now, now that people understand that security, hopefully they understand that security is a very critical component of digital. Uh, I think it is pretty well understood. Uh, there's a lot of people throwing out security first as a, a statement when they start talking about cloud initiatives, which is really, really easy to say. It's a little harder to do. Um, but there, and at least shows that there is that knowledge and that understanding that security is something that needs to be important and needs to be considered. Uh, as far as being able to make sure that we're there for it, getting out in front of it is important, uh, as, as John was speaking to on his part. I would say also integrating as much as you can to cloud native utilities is more important than you would think it is. And the thing that's going to really get you there and which has really helped me to completely stay in front of what I need to is the worst buzzword I hate saying in my entire life, but that's primarily shifting left. Um, I would argue that that's not really the end goal of it though. Yes, we're, as from our perspective in security, we are shifting left. Uh, we are pushing some security responsibilities over to other departments in order to create that velocity that's necessary to move at the speeds that they want. But at the same time, they also need to be shifting right. So it's not just a shift left scenario. It's a shift left and a shift right scenario. So you can meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, there's programs I've had to institute. There's trainings I've had to do where we bring other parts of the business in and we train them in different types of security in different ways, uh, security champion programs and things of that nature in order to institute that shift right piece of it that needs to happen on their side of the fence while we're simultaneously shifting left to meet them in the middle. Uh, that's what really creates the velocity and the capabilities for velocity that we need. I know at my organization, we had more than 200 releases last year using this kind of methodology. So, John, uh, by the way, Rob, very interesting response because the shift left and shift right is the in thing nowadays, and people are rightfully thinking about it. So coming to that, John, when Rob mentioned about shifting right, he mentioned training. Do you think training does give us the mileage which we all expect, but just telling people, hey, you've got to keep things secure, do they behave, the users? Yeah, I think, I think training is critical. I think training is critical. I think training's come uh, a long way also kind of from where we were in terms of the training being more focused, the training being more applicable. You know, if we just looked out even just a few years ago, um, you know, you'd see mandatory training and it was really focused on a, a few items, whether it's phishing or data loss or, you know, very generic, I think, uh, training delivered across the entire organization. The same type of training um, delivered over the entire organization. I, I think you've seen that shift. And, and I think it's been a critical change, actually. You know, you, you're really seeing some significant training opportunities out there being delivered by third parties. Um, for everything from secure coding um, to secure uh, data releases, uh, secure pipeline, uh, you know, CICD, et cetera, that I think all of that ultimately continues to create a continual maturation of a security kind of focused organization. I think that there's, and, that, and there's still kind of the more generic end user training. There is the... Um, there, there is, you know, some different training that might be given to privileged access users, et cetera. So I think that the training is getting better and that it's more focused, it's more engaging. Um, it's more frequent, I think, too, at many organizations than, than it once was. Um, and, and I think that they're finding ways to get people more engaged with training, whether it's, uh, you know, mandatory. That's one way I suppose to get people engaged or through gamification or some other approaches and make it more fun, make it more engaging. Um, also, you know, I think people realize that doing that kind of work up front, um, learning how to do that kind of work up front, really in the long run, I mean, is a, is a huge, you know, opportunity to reduce costs later in buggy products and insecure products. Um, so I, I think the uptake in, in trainings helped just a ton over the last few years. So um, let's talk about security when you are talking to maybe IT because invariably security ends up being in the IT group. But then when you're trying to exert 
influence on the business side? Maybe you could still say, yes, I have some influence because we're still in part of the same company. But here in the digital world, we are very externally focused. We are very partner dependent. We are ecosystem dependent to deliver the capabilities. And those capabilities could span multiple companies who might have their own agenda. So Rob, if you were a third party organization and another company in the value chain comes and say, we want to make it more secure than it currently is, could you join hands with us? First, you're going to look in your backyard and say, is it going to help me? And, or you might have your own priorities and you might push back. You may not be the most collaborative and uh, more helping, if you will, in that nature. So how do you achieve that end goal at the digital level, not just at the organizational level, even though you've been paid by that organization, but digital success means across value chain. It was a little difficult in my current role to answer that because I don't have that scenario happen at all with my current business model. But ideally, you would be trying to go towards the same goals. And from the standpoint that you're referring to, there's not a lot of motivation to do that. Uh, it's really up to the person who's asking and requesting to create the motivation for the other side to really want to make that move. Uh, that's the position I find myself in more often. Uh, my customer is the public. Uh, we sell airline tickets. We move people. Uh, we're like any kind of commercial business you would see out there. It's just our product happens to be the moving of people instead of an item. Uh, to that effect, I push those things onto my service providers on the regular. And you use what's needed, uh, contract language, uh, discussions, considerations of moving to different vendors in order to create what you need as far as getting the security levels there. Uh, every pressure that you can use to create what's necessary is what you have to move forward with. Now, some of that will come down to the risk appetite of your organization, uh, what you're willing to accept, and there is cost differences that are associated. You have to get over the fact of, as a CISO, it's not your job to completely secure the organization. And if you think it is, you're going to be sitting there pulling your head out or pulling your hair out, just terribly stressing yourself out, maybe getting ulcers. I'm not type really sure, uh, not sleeping well, but it's, it's not your job to fully secure the organization, to, to think that it is you're setting yourself up for failure. It's your job to make sure that the organization understands the risks that it's taking on with certain activities and is fully informed of those and fully understands those when it makes the business decisions that it makes. Uh, to that effect, it also is helpful to understand business so that you can frame it in a good way for them to understand better. But you really have to handle it that way. And that translates in then to how you extend it to third parties. There's going to be a cost associated with the levels of risk that you're willing to accept. And you have to be able to illustrate and orchestrate that for your company so that they make the right decision for what they need to do as a business, which may not be the most secure decision, but it's the right decision for the business if they're fully informed and understand when they make that decision. And then you do the best you can to most effectively push that to the partners that you're working with. So, um, John, when you look at your organization, so Rob said, you know, he doesn't have that ecosystem-based security assurance uh, as a need today. And that's fine, which is, you know, that organization's business model. What do you see, especially when you are in a business where most things are digitally handled? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of what Rob said resonates. I mean, I, you know, the the we, we talk about this frequently within our group and I'm the first CISO here at Sinclair Broadcast Group. And so there almost everything we're doing on the security front's a bit new um, for this organization. And it, it's a large organization, uh, Fortune 500 company here in here in Maryland um, that that has an incredible outreach, obviously, uh, to the public um, and to its perception. And we, we want to make sure that that product, whether that's getting the news out, whether that's getting sports out, or whatever else we may be broadcasting or some of the other ventures that, that Sinclair has, we, want, we do want to make sure we're being thoughtful and doing that in a secure way. Um, the ecosystem itself of partners is, I think, always challenging. Depending on where you are uh, in terms of industry-wide, um, you know, if you are putting people in space, 
there's a, um, you know, ecosystem of partners um, and even within your own organization that's very focused on safety and very focused on X or Y. Um, so, you know, again, some of the things Rob said really resonated with me because I've talked about it a lot here, kind of in my early days in that, um, you know, you can't just buy yourself to perfect security for sure, nor is that your mission. And we're not a information security company, right? As Rob was kind of pointing out, there, there are missions to, to move people, um, you know, safely from one, one location to another. You know, our, our mission specifically is to be able to, um, you know, deliver, deliver the news and deliver sports and deliver that over the airwaves or however people might be consuming those. Um, and so creating that ecosystem, the right ecosystem is surely critical. Um, it doesn't mean it'll always be the, the, the most expensive and the most best of breed um, within that ecosystem, but it'll be the right ecosystem for that business to be able to operate at the, the level of maturity that they want to operate at, the, the speed and uh, rev- revenue targets that they need to be able to target and hit. And so our job, I think, is to make sure we continue to build a strong ecosystem of partners um, who are well aligned with, with our organizational goals um, and look at that more of a partnership than, than just us consuming um, or delivering product. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And John, I'd like to come back again and talk about, uh, especially when you said you, you started out and when you come in and you're trying to lock down the fort for the right reasons, of course. And also even in your ecosystem, in any way, you're trying to exert control on the partners. How are you preventing that act uh, seen as uh, someone who is a, a, a naysayer and or a hindrance to the growth? How do you eat the cake and have it too? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, John, you came in started telling people that what's right, what's not right, and maybe started putting some regimentation, if you will, within the organization. And if at all, there are any ecosystem partners you need to rein in, you would rein in, right? For the right reasons and for what you've been tasked to do. How do you prevent that from being seen as dictatorial and or, hey, you're coming to slow us down or you're just unnecessarily creating stumbling blocks? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and like, like you highlighted, and I did a bit in the last, the last response to the earlier question, you know, I've been here about 10 months, um, and I'm their first CISO. And you're right, there was, I knew coming in that there would be some challenges. I, I think in a lot of ways, Sinclair has been fantastic in, in terms of not only recognizing that they needed a CISO, but really getting the support for me and, and the rest of the team to build that out. I think and I'm hoping that the that this older kind of version of the CISO, if I think back maybe as as few as five years ago, really was that you were the guy that said no. <laughs> you know, people would find ways to work around you, um, and that you really could be a hindrance. I uh, to, to whether it's organizational growth, whether it's speed of business, yeah, you, you name it, uh, could be a hindrance to M and A activities, etc. I think that's changed a lot, or or I've, at least I've known I've worked on changing that perception a lot. And I know some other CISOs that I collaborate with frequently have as well. You know, instead of we're the office of no, N-O, 
we talk about being the office of no, Ken A, O, W, and really being able to be a good resource to the business, realizing that, uh, you know, we are, we are not here, again, to kind of echo some things Rob said earlier, you know, we are not here to lock everything down and shut the doors and encase it in cement. And, you know, we, at that point, we would be a hindrance and we wouldn't be supportive of the business. You know, I, I talk to my group and ex- the executives here frequently about we need to be an enabler so that they can move as fast as they want to move, but as securely as they need to. And so it's, a, I was joking around earlier, I know, before we started the recording that, you know, some of these early days for me, it feels like there's a little bit of shaking hands and kissing babies. And I think that's the right approach, right? I mean, you, we got to create allies across the business. We got to create trust across the business. And I think with that trust, obviously people trust that I have the best um, intentions in mind. We've got the best um, approach in terms of not only securing things, but but allowing the company to continue to move quickly. So I, I think that's 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 changed quick, quite a bit over the years. I sure hope, hope it has. Um, it's something I've definitely focused on that we are no longer the office of no. But, but we really are a business enablement uh, opportunity. So, uh, Rob, when you look at uh, your role or the stance, more than the role, the stance that you take as a security leader, is it polite, congenial, but firm? If you had to define what would that be in these, this, this same way, the way I tried to describe it? Uh, I think that my description would be more along the lines of, here's my suggestion, but what are you trying to do? Like, how can I help you accomplish what it is you're trying to to accomplish here? Uh, If that goes against what's happening, okay, what exactly are you trying to do? Let's see if we can figure out a way to handle this. Uh, A lot of that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're saying that you're being inclusive in even the analysis of what they want to get done or because the reason is many times people or most of the time, business doesn't understand security. So they look up to you, but if you come back, they could be like deer in headlights. They went, then, then where do you go? So the answer to there is kind of what John was referring to earlier. It's having those business relationships established. Once you get to an executive level, and this is true in any role, it doesn't matter if it's in finance or operations or IT or security. Once you get to a senior executive level, a good portion of your job is developing the business relationships necessary with the rest of the company and understanding the business of the organization, as well as the political environment and landscape for which the business sits in. Once you have that and you've proven it out, which unlike John, I've been in my role for two and a half years now. My first year is all shaking hands and kissing babies because it's you need to meet everyone. You need to gain their trust. You need to have it so that they understand you do both understand the business itself and you understand security, that you're not there as an opponent, that you're there as an ally, that you're there as an enabler, that your goal is the same as theirs, that you're on the same team. These things have to be understood. And logically understanding them is completely different than feeling it, than knowing it then having those relationships built with the rest of the executives and the rest of the leadership of the organization that are truly necessary to gain that inclusion and that trust that you have to have in order for your department to operate smoothly. And again, that's not unique to security. That is any company or any department within the entire company, their executive leader needs to do that in order for the company to operate smoothly in order for their department to operate smoothly. We like to think in security that we're different, that we're unique, that we have this role that's completely different than anywhere else in the company, which to a certain degree is true. But the way that we operate within the company is going to be universal. And you have to accept that fact and accept that at that senior leadership level, there's skills that you need to learn. There's skills that you need to have that you would not have natively gained on your way up the ranks through security to get to that level. It's a different skill set that you have to bring in. This executive role within security, this CISO role is the, well, I mean, you could argue the data one, but it's basically the youngest senior executive role at an organization. 
it doesn't have a huge amount of maturity. It hasn't been through the ringer nearly as much as a lot of the other roles. So most of the other roles of the organization, they get training in this before they get there. So just as an example, if you were going to go become a CFO, you would join a finance organization. There's these very distinct paths that you follow to go up the ranks, to get to where you're going. It's pretty much set in stone how you accomplish that. And along the way, you learn more than those finance skills as you're going up those rungs. You, you learn those business skills. You learn those business relationship skills. You learn those business management skills as you get higher and higher up. It, it's matured out enough to design and build CFOs in that manner. CISOs don't have that yet. They will eventually. We'll eventually get to the point where that is the case, but the role is just too new for it. So a true understanding that those skills are necessary has to be comprehended and has to be accepted by whoever's taking that role on. And because we don't have that maturity, you have to actively go out and learn those skills, learn those abilities, and then pursue using them. And the best way of doing that in the beginning, as John said, is shaking hands and kissing babies as you go around the organization, introducing yourself and getting to know everyone that's there and what their roles are and how they function and how they work with the company and how they make the company successful. It just becomes part of your responsibility set. And most of the things that we're referring to here about getting out in front of stuff, about knowing things ahead, about catch me if you can, all of that ties into this because you have to be that trusted advisor. You have to be trusted to be looking out for the best interest of the business as a whole, not just your specific organization within it. So getting down to the brass tacks, John, when we are actually trying to get things done, one is, of course, when you mentioned about how you get people to buy in, et cetera, but now you want to put the security controls and the programs in place. It's the speed at which the changes are coming. Not sure if you can be all over and try to boil the ocean. At the same time, if you try to say, I'm going to try one small bit or a group or an app at a time, then the vulnerability still sits there and nobody will care which project you were focusing on. But if there is an issue, then the all fingers are pointing at you. So you cannot boil the ocean. You can't bite, eat an elephant one bite at a time. So how do you handle security, especially in today's context where things are coming from all direction at a warp speed with a lot more volume and variety that you would want? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question and one that, again, especially I'm, I'm dealing with with here, and, and I've dealt with it at other organizations as well. Very large organizations have very distributed activities, complex activities across different business units. I think the key uh, will always remain that that the approach needs to be risk-focused, right? I mean, for, for me just to do numbers for numbers sake, which might look good from a quote unquote, you know, holistic boiling the ocean kind of technique versus the small bites and you're never going to get done your meal kind of problem um, is, is really the approach that, that has to be made. Um, for you to understand that, there's obviously a lot of work that goes into you really understanding where those risks exist, um, understanding how those can be addressed, and then, and then tackling those first. Sometimes they're the proverbial low hanging fruit. Um, sometimes they're, they're, it's an exceptional amount of work, but the, the real goal, like, again, we're, we're saying the same things, which is great to hear, Rob. I feel like, feel like I'm on the right track there, but is that, um, you know, our, our jobs as CISOs is to identify the risk, help categorize that risk, and then help echo what that risk is back to the business in the way that, that the business understands, right? Me coming to them with this, uh, great quote unquote, win that the security team might feel is, hey, we just, we just remediated 10,000 vulnerabilities last night. Doesn't mean anything to anybody else except the security team. Um, I think really being able, though, to go back to the business and talk about, you know, that we've reduced um, our probability of breach by X amount, which could have resulted in X amount of financial loss um, is huge, right? It's huge. They understand that. They understand why you did it. They're glad you did it. Something to celebrate for sure. So I think that 
instead of, again, pro- trying to build this whole organization at once or trying to, to build a whole um, function within the organization, whether it's zero trust, whether it's identity, you name it, is, is going to be tough. And those are going to be multi-year initiatives that the, the business won't necessarily feel, I'm doing a little air quotes here, or recognize um, that value back to the business. But if you're able to really focus and tackle some high-risk areas that show clear benefit back to the business, um, those are going to be your early wins. And I think the more you start stacking up those early wins, you start gaining more trust, you start being able to take on more mission, and you do start being able to kind of tackle things in a, in a broader scope. But, but I think if you're focused on anything different than the high-risk areas, if you're investing significantly more time in lower risk areas than you are in higher risk areas, I think your time is probably being misplaced um, and that, that that would need to be reevaluated. And instead of looking at the ocean or looking at the small plate, I think we really, really need to look for those risk points and figure out how we attack those together. So Rob, when you look at the same question, given your environment where you're trying to get things going, given your part of a rather uh, you said, right, it's an airline and people's life could be at stake and risks could come from anywhere. Can you really uh, slow down on seeing, okay, suppose you find five places where you have risks. Can you say, okay, I'm going to deal with the first because your downstream effect can be huge and devastating. It's like, wow, you really set me up there with like people's lives are on the line. (laughs) Um, it all comes down to a happy medium between what your business model is and what your organizational risk appetite is. And I know I used too many ends there, but, and uh, what would be called a crown jewels assessment of your organization. Uh, so generally you're dividing your organization up in the areas of protection between your high protections, your medium protections and your low protections. And in our case, things that would cause a misnavigation of the plane would be on a high protection. Uh, Things that would cause a loss of our ability to dock payroll for a couple hours might not be as high a protection. It just comes down to what is important from the company from a risk standpoint. And then you find that happy medium of the stuff that needs to be addressed first, the stuff that needs to be addressed after that, And you have to take the elephant one bite at a time. There's no way to boil the ocean unless you end up in a scenario where they're just going to throw a whole bunch of tons of money at you. But normally something bad's happened before that scenario plays out. In Um, all of those things that you mentioned, I'd like to connect it back to saying embedding security in technology capabilities until you don't do it holistically you would not know that the attack could come from any place where you haven't. So I know it's not an easy (laughs) question, but still someone who is leaving it to you and say, hey, that's a black box, go deal with it. What are you recommending we do as security leaders? Well, first you have to have a really good understanding of your environment. Um, If you have a good understanding of your environment, then you don't run into many of those problems that you're referring to. Uh, The other thing that I do personally is I have a red team on staff that then tries to poke holes in that theory the entire time Uh, is not perfect. There's no way to make it perfect. We don't work in an industry of perfection. We can't uh, given the nature of what we have, but it buys me a lot more ability to find things that we may not have seen or find more of those unknown unknowns that could be out there. Uh, Once we have those two together with a, a full understanding of our environment, a full understanding of our business model and the ability to try to poke holes in what we have. It gives you a pretty confident understanding of what you're dealing with. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then from there, just compare it to the pieces I referred to earlier about where the business wants to go and where the business wants to put things. And you can be fairly confident in what you're looking at. I would never say you're hundred percent confident, Anybody in this industry that says they're 100% confident is, well, for lack of a better term, full of it. Uh, they don't know what they're talking about. I did some work with 
the U.S. government and black sites and things that were more secure than any business would ever operate in existence. And we still never assumed that it was 100% secure. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And John, when we come back, let's talk about the reporting relationship. It can be a sensitive issue because many cases when uh, security reports to IT, it is a blessing and or it can be a curse given how you're perceived. And at the same time, a lot of people evangelize that it's essentially a risk management role. So it should sit at the top level, but then people don't understand the Greek and Latin security people speak. So where should it sit given the world that we are entering into or already the world we are weaving around us? Should it be a business or an IT role? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. John, reporting relationship for security leadership and or the security as a group. What would that organization look like top down and where security should sit for it to be most effective? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it's also changing in terms of where you see a CISO sitting with an organization. I think the, the last numbers I saw still them had them very frequently continuing to report into the CIO, so into the IT organization. Um, you know, I've talked to a couple of their CISOs some of them report into a chief risk officer. Some of them report into a CFO. Um, it's very interesting on how it's been changing. It, it, but, but it's changing. It is changing the importance of the role. Um, I, I talked um, at another engagement recently, and we're talking quite a bit about this, um, that you know, the CISOs are more often being uh, asked to sit at the table when the board meets. They are, and you're seeing real regulation come out around that, right? The recent proposed SEC um, uh, rules in terms of uh, really increasing the visibility of cyber, the risk of cyber, making sure that cyber is being well considered, that there's somebody um, actually on the board who understands cyber. So I think um, as organizations continue to realize the importance um, of doing business in a way that is uh, thoughtful and responsible, especially um, in the case of the SEC, obviously, um, to, to their shareholders, uh, as well as their customers, has really gained a lot of um, focus and importance. In terms of uh, where they should report, I think ultimately it will be not within IT. I think that you'll still see that for a long period of time. I think it'll take some time uh, for that to shift. Um, and, and it'd be a higher business function that probably is on uh, par and peer with, with the CIO's organization. When I was uh, speaking just recently, there, w- when you live within the IT organization, it's a little tough, right? I mean, in some ways it's great. You got IT right next to you, know what they're doing, they know what you're doing. Hopefully that helps with some alignment. Um, but IT um, spans the organization in a very different way than a legal function might or an HR function might or a security function might. So I, I think that, that, again, I think that's slowly being recognized. I think it does need to change over time. I think operating within the IT construct um, is, uh, is not necessarily, at least it hasn't been for me, 
a, a hindrance. I've had fantastic support over my career uh, for the folks that, that I've been able to support. Um, but, but I think that as long as it stays embedded there, it's hard for other parts of the business to, to really clearly see that it is a, a growing area of importance um, that needs additional um, voice and that it needs different access and needs different consideration within the organization. So, Rob, I have heard from enough uh, IT leaders over time that for them to be effective or their organization, that IT department to be effective, they are taking their staff and embedding them in business. There could be a dotted relationship or a hard line between IT and them and also a dotted line or a hard line with the business unit. When we are saying security or calling security as a risk management uh, effort. Shouldn't that be the case with security as well? Not 100% certain I followed that question, but... So let me, let me rephrase it so that you can respond. So should you embed security personnel like you do with IT in a given business unit so they very well deeply understand business and then focus on making sure that they take care of that business unit or that business function and, and dedicate to securing that versus sitting in a central command and control type of an outfit? So the short answer is yes, but the long answer is it's significantly more complicated, <laughs> especially with my organization. So there are three distinct areas of my organization. I have a, a risk and compliance side, which is embedded across everything everywhere. Uh, they have to be to function. And they handle a lot of our auditing, a lot of our early warning, and they feed into the other areas within my organization. Um, I also then have a security analytics side, which is mostly heads down. They're mostly tool management. They don't have a huge need to embed themselves into the business because it's not part of their job function. Uh, they have a need to understand the business so they know what they're looking at, and it's important to make sure that they're kept up to date and they have a good understanding of our business model and how things function, but they don't necessarily need an embedding. In fact, embedding them in the business might actually be detrimental to them getting their jobs done. And then I have a security engineering side, which I do have embedded across the business as well. So the answer comes down to, it really depends on what function within my org that you're filling on where and when and if it's beneficial that you get embedded into the business. And a lot of that has to do with how often you directly work with them and how much teamwork is necessary between you and them within my org structure. Now, let's talk about the solution provider. So John, when you are dealing with it, especially when you're coming to this new organization, yes, you might have had some old relationships, some trusted partners who may have helped you with the you know, security management in terms of other tools, products, and or services. But are they stepping up and showing that, yes, they understand and are willing to go to extra mile to help you get ready with this newer, crazier world of uh, multiple things happening in, in, in cloud and or in digital space? Where do you, where, how do you rate them? Yeah, I think, um, I think they really have. I think, like you said, over the years, there's folks and companies that um, I've worked with across industries. Um, you know, as Rob was saying, you know, I, I used to support the intelligence community for decades. And then I was with an education and now I'm within this media and entertainment uh, industry. But and across all of them, I think there are some some fantastic solution providers and some other ones that um that, that weren't able really to deliver at the way I needed them to. I think that over the years, I've really been able to, to build some strong relationships and, and some folks that have really been invested in um, understanding what we wanted to do, how we operated as a company to really help us uh, mitigate, mitigate risks. I think that there's so many things sprouting up right, very quickly in terms of solution providers out there. So very niche players. Um, especially, you know, you're seeing a ton of them right now, um, whether it's on the uh, attack surface area or whether it continues to be within multi-cloud. Um, and it's super exciting to see some of those new folks pop up and, and having some good 
partners and helping you assess that and helping you kind of realize the right folks to navigate to and toward or perhaps away from um, has has been uh, fantastic. You know, again, some of these solution providers are or partners, I think, that we've had out there, we've, you know, they've really been a bit of a force multiplier for us. You know, instead of me hiring a bunch of folks to go do a bunch of uh, big costs or technology evaluations or understanding more about other organizations out there and how they can help us mitigate risk, uh, that our partners have been uh, super critical and and helping guide us. And, and again, really feeling like partners and not just somebody trying to sell us something. And, and, and that's who we've stuck with. And I think it's been uh, really critical to our success, actually. Rob, any suggestions for the technology solution providers in this context as you go about your interesting journey of embedding security into technology capabilities? Where can they uh, you know, improve their game, if you will? Uh, well, it's always nice if they improve their game, but ultimately it's more your responsibility to ensure that their game is improved. Uh, the way I've always handled it is when you're using a technology solutions provider, uh, unless they're some scenario where they've given you this one product and you take it and you leave and you don't really have any interaction with them anymore, you if they're doing some kind of a service with you, you have to treat them like they're just another employee at your organization. And I don't mean that in a derogatory manner. I mean, that is in, you need to be invested in them. You need to find out about them. You need to understand them. Uh, the You need to have a point of contact and you need to know on a personal and business relationship type level, who that person is and how they work and what they do and how they operate in order to fully integrate them as if they are simply a member of your team. And just performing that function alone will step up the game of service and solution providers that you have on staff more than even if they were to make changes themselves. One last question, and I need response from both of you, which is about the leadership chops. You and other aspiring or current CISOs have to build so that on one hand, they are able to better handle what's oncoming in terms of the crazy volume and variety of challenges and initiatives that the their respective businesses are trying to undertake. And secondly, to embed security in their technology capabilities, which are changing, which is almost like flying the plane while building it. Start with you, Rob. Be adaptive. <laughs> um, you need to understand where to use a term that several of the integrators I've worked with have used before, you need to come to a good understanding of where your one-way doors are and where your two-way doors are. You need to have a good understanding of what your timelines and your deadlines and your business objectives are. When you do that, you can come up with multiple maturity iteration plans in order to build the plane while it's flying, as you said. Uh, you have your minimum, what you need to get things done, to get in with the timelines, to meet the business objectives. And then the two-way door aspect is anywhere where you need to make changes, you're making sure that you're putting in the hooks and you're putting in the things necessary, that it's easy to do those changes going forward. And then you start maturing and you're moving from there. It ultimately really comes down to what your business model is, what your business goals are, and what your business objectives are, and what you can do to help meet those objectives. And then illustrating the risks associated with meeting those so that a business decision can be made on moving them forward. Uh, if you don't do all of that correctly, then yeah, the plane will fall apart as you're flying. Uh, and that's where it starts to get complicated. And that's where the skill of not just a good CISO, but good directors and good managers comes into play so that you can keep the team all on board and all knowing what's happening as it's moving forward. John. Yeah, that, that was uh, a, a lot embedded in this question. So, so a few things come to mind, you know, you talked about what changes might be warranted within an organization. Again, I think it's kind of the, the changing the mindset kind of continuing to highlight the importance of uh, security as appropriate within your organization and with your industry is key. I think that the news is helping us a lot with that right now with kind of all what's going around with the world. Cyber is surely on the front page frequently enough to continue to gain some uh, 
some some view and some some people picking up on the importance of it. The le- the leadership style, I think, is an interesting question. Um, I think that in the past, again, it was a very le- different leadership style that was, and, and the whole function of the CISO was significantly different, right? The guy that would jump up and down and pound on the desk and say no and um, really tried to take a hard line um, on a, on on a lot of activities that that really I think did a bit of disservice, truthfully, to the to the to the CISO position. I think that's changing quickly. I think the again we talked about before the CISO kind of growing in importance, the role growing in importance for sure, um, and really that means the leadership style has to change, right? You, you can no longer, I think, kind of run around with the hammer lighting everything on fire. I think you really need to um, be focused on building these incredibly important leadership uh, skills, continuing to develop that. Um, There's a lot of things right now that talk about CISO burnout and some of what Rob highlighted on before as well. Two articles I just read recently about kind of this nebulous kind of not well-defined career paths. A lot of us come up through tech and then all of a sudden we're expected to be these, uh, you know, have this executive presence in the boardroom. And, and I think that's tough. I, I think that that needs to continue to be, to be developed and that leadership style will continue to evolve. Um, and as that evolves, I, I think it just makes you exceptionally more effective in making sure that security is embedded into these technologies, is embedded into these organizations. And then ultimately, kind of it's a win for everybody, right? Everybody... Uh, begins to realize that you're a business partner, you're an executive within the business, you're just not that security guy who keeps saying, do your training. Um, so, and I think as all of that continues to evolve, the, the mindset of the business, the leadership style, and ensuring that we're continuing to communicate uh, really the, the effectiveness and the role that the security team and the CISO um, is bringing to the organization is ultimately what's going to make it all effective. Once again, thank you so much again, John and Rob, for sharing your insights about how organizations and the security leaders combined can join hands and truly embed security in their technology capabilities. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much. Uh, Listeners, please connect with us on social media. Subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All, signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.